Apparently, almost 50% of all black people are in a hate group against white people. Well, now, that is news to me, but you don't have to believe me. Let's hear it from Scott Adams himself, creator of the Dilbert comic strip and author and podcaster. Yeah, let's hear what he has to say. Sort of the biggest lever, you know, you can, you can find the, the biggest benefit. So I thought, well, that's the hardest thing and the biggest benefit. So I'd like to focus a lot of my life resources in helping black Americans. So much so that I started identifying as black. Just be on the team I was helping. But it turns out that nearly half of that team uh, doesn't think I'm okay to be white. Oh, okay. You got that from that poll. All right, we'll, we'll get into the poll later. Carry on. Which is, of course, why I identified as black, just so I could be on the winning team for a while. Uh-huh. Identifying as black to be on the winning team. Now, some of it's a little jokey. I get it. Some of it's not. It, trust me, I get it. I've taken the nuance. I've gone through the pieces of all of this, not just this clip, but this is the crux of where we're going to go with this whole thing. But I have to say, uh, th this is the first political poll that ever changed my activities. I don't know that that's ever happened. You know, normally, you poll, you just look at it and you go, ah, whatever. Oh, this is interesting what other people think. This is actually an interesting point. He said that no other poll has affected him like this. We're going to come back to this later because this isn't a poll I think anybody should be using like this or anybody would use like this. But the fact that he said that this one, and this is, this is juicy, guys, and it's, it's relevant to creators, so follow along with me. I got a whole thing going with this. But as of today, I'm going to re-identify as white because I don't want to be a member of a hate group. I'd accidentally joined the hate group. So if, if you know, nearly half of all blacks uh, are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, uh, that's a hate group. All right, that's the first part of it. There are many other clips we're going to get into. We're going to do this whole thing. And actually, let me just play the rest of the little bit that, so we can get to hear Scott Adams cursing for a second. I'd say, hey, and I don't want to have anything to do with them. Oh, my God. And I would say, you know, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black. The hell away? Is that all you want to say? Just get the fuck away. Oh, okay. Where, wherever you have to go, just get away. Because there's no fixing this. This can't be fixed. All right. So sorry if that sounded a little choppy. I was just stopping and starting the audio. I was not editing it. I have the link. I'll have the links to that if you want to check it out. But that's where we're going to go today. And what does this have to do with anything? What does this have to do with creators? How did this happen? Why are people saying all these different things about what happened? What's the truth? What's false? What should we be doing, not be doing? There's a lot to talk about here. More importantly, why do I think it's worth talking about? I am coming to you as a creator, artist, designer, developer, and this crosses my path. And I, yeah, I decided to go with it because there are some interesting points to get out of this. And we'll get into all of that. But in the end, I think Scott Adams is playing all of you. He's played the media. 
He's played the ex- ex- extremists. He's played, you know, women, men, all demographics, you know, black people, white people, other races thrown in there. He's just playing everybody. And this is kind of what he does. It's his shtick. And it's been increasing for a while now. But there's a point to all of this. And there's a point to this whole podcast. There's quite a bit of stuff to go through. If you want to know really quickly what I think, I don't think this was the best way to do this. I don't think it was cool at all. I'm not here to name call bash or anything like that, but I just want people to know who are creating, trying to create a better world, artists, designers, writers, painters, whatever. We're creating a, we're creating a world that we want to live in and different people have different ideas of what the world we want to live in should look like, or should be like. So I felt it was necessary to jump into this. With that said, welcome to Mr. Benji's ADD experience, where we specialize in art, design, and development for creators, manifestors, movers, shakers, and anyone that makes it happen. We discuss practical lessons for creating a better world by improving ourselves and our environment. Join the movement by heading over to MrBenja.com, if you will. And if you're listening on YouTube or on the podcast streams, be sure to subscribe. That really helps me out, helps out the algorithms, helps out future uh, dissemination of this good work, and so forth. So, but first, before we get into the rest of this, I just want everybody to breathe easy. Times are hard right now. People are probably stressed about something and... If you are a creator, hopefully you're trying to create a better world and not a more stressful one, not a more tense one. So take a moment, calm down, relax yourself, and get ready to create some new thoughts. We're going to take a quick breath in through the nose and then slowly breathe out through the mouth. Help you calm down. Try it with me. Breathe in through the nose. Slowly breathe out through the mouth. In through the nose, slowly out through the mouth. I feel better already. While you're listening, you can keep doing that. If you're driving, don't close your eyes while you do it because you might crash. That should ease your mind a little bit. I want you to know that I'm not trying to rile anybody up. I'm not trying to be audacious for likes, for clicks, anything like that. And I don't have some ulterior motive here, but I do have good thoughts and I've been thinking about things for a while now and putting them into my writings, my notes, my, my work. And now I'm going to get more into podcasting that. So let me start off with just thanking everybody. I'm in my new studio right now. I'm starting to build out a new space where I record don't have my video up yet, but I don't think I'm going to be doing too much facial video with these podcasts because I do like the idea of just being able to speak and show you images and infographics along the way. If you want to catch my face or whatever, I'll show it. I'm not afraid of doing that. It's just, just checking out the new, new style. And I'll probably do some, some shorts or something just with my face. I, I wasn't too big on that whole thing with just being another talking head. So We'll see how that goes. But the new studio is going along good. I appreciate all my Kickstarter backers. Quick shout out to everyone that supported. Throw some throw some love out to Theo, Emily, Zach, Melissa, Jeff, Andy, Patrick, Tone, Brandon, Amy, Tom, Shanae, David. 
everybody else. If I miss you, I'm oh, sorry. Just trying to go off the top of my head with that. And before we get on, you know what? Speaking of setting up a studio, I just had a thought that, a creative thought. I should get in some, some TV trays. Those are really, really come in handy. Like if you're just moving stuff around your studio and you need like little places to put stuff, but then you don't want it there all the time. Instead of having like these little end tables and a full-on desk or, or table, those little TV trays work out really great. I only have I only have one. I think I get a whole set of those. I could just kind of I just sit in my sit at my desk and have my little TV trays around and always be able to reach for something. And when I'm finished recording, I could go, I could fold them up and then put them to the side. They can be pretty utilitarian. In fact, I could even actually. Like if I have stuff out to dry, like uh, I don't want to take up too much space with an entire folding table. I could just do a quick little painting, set it over to dry on one of the TV trays. I just had a creative idea and talking it out right here on the podcast just made me decide to go ahead and do that. I will be investing some of, some of my money into TV trays because they're awesome. Not the cheap ones, the, the wooden ones with a nice sturdy stand to it. They're going to have pain crap over them anyway, so I don't need anything fancy. You just need something nice. All right. And before we get off on a tangent, by the way, I do like doing this podcast. I know I haven't made as many as I probably should have, but getting this year started, things were a little different in terms of how I expected things to go and how they really went. I'm sure a lot of you can kind of relate to that. 2023 has been a continuation of the the weirdness that probably started, I'll say, in 2019. We are in some amazing times. And in my discussions with people, my one-on-one -on -one discussions, I've been having more long talks on the phone, more good talks in person with people, more extended text messages. I'm like, wow, having good conversation is actually a premium now. I'm wondering who people are talking to or not talking to or listening to or not listening to now that's caused this change. Or maybe a lot of the change is probably in me because I've been trying to evolve my, my social ability, my discussions as well. So maybe that's why I kind of paused a little bit. I didn't want the podcast to be just informative. I wanted it also to be a, a relationship, uh, more of a discussion, a little less transactional. But... You probably didn't come here for that. So I think I'm going to start setting this up like a, a show almost. So the first couple of minutes, you just kind of hear me get on about something and then I'll get into the, the meat of the topic. But yeah, on to the, the major topic. Um, as I said, I was looking into podcast and how I was putting out things and how I was doing what I was doing. And it was nearing the end of Black History Month, 2023. And of course, at the end of Black History Month, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's usually a lot of people tired of hearing about Black history. So they start complaining, and what about White History Month? And hey, well, what about this? And how come you're talking about race again? Why does everything have to be about color? Et cetera, et cetera. This, all, this usually just props up at the end of Black History Month. So I'm used to it, heard it before, but this year was a little different. Things seem to be a little more pointed, a little, 
more intense, a little more, seem to be a little more heat coming through these tweets and posts and everything. I don't know how much of that was me or how much of what I was looking at or my algorithm had changed, but that's what I was hearing. And in the midst of that, we get Scott Adams, creator of Dilbert, the, the office politics cartoon. I don't know if you've ever seen the, probably been in an office place somewhere and seen the Dilbert comic strip posted up somewhere. They used to be very popular in the mid 2000s. They were really popular. Kind of started to wane off a little bit and he started getting more political, getting more into the book writing and things. So that may have fallen off. I haven't seen as much of him for a while, but he's been doing well for himself online. And I do follow him, keep up with a lot of people that I don't necessarily agree with, but just keep up with them. Suddenly he starts trending towards the end of Black History Month. And now he's been saying a lot of, I'm going to call it nonsense, because if you try to make sense of it all, you're probably going to get confused because he says a lot of things in a lot of different directions on a lot of topics. And a lot of it is to be provocative, weird, catchy, etc. So I'm hearing this and I'm, I'm seeing him trending on Twitter. I decide to check him out. And, you know, the clip you heard gets played. The, the tweet storm starts. People start rallying and take sides again. And this kind of thing is nothing new. But I kind of looked at his podcast and realized that this guy's been putting together a narrative for getting close to how many shows is he on right now? He has got over 2,000 of these YouTube vlogs going on. And I was kind of like, holy crap. I just have over 100 of the, the, the podcast from, from Show versus Business. I only have 50-something of uh, Mr. Binge's ADD experience. And when I was doing my Instagram live thing, I only had like, I'll say 300 or so of those. This guy's in 2000s. And each of them is like an hour long. That's kind of impressive, actually. He was doing what people like the old radio hosts used to do. So I thought that was very interesting. And you got to understand, around this whole time, people are talking about race and everything, and he pops up. And by the way, I will not be using the words racism or racist in here. So if you're, if you're just waiting on me to call him out on that, I am not going to do that. Not because I don't believe it or anything, but those terms tend to cause confusion. Everyone I talk to has different ideas about what those words mean. People have different ideas about what bigoted means, prejudiced, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll try to find different ways to describe what I'm feeling without using those words because people get lost and confused in those. In fact, a little story, I was watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and if you know, a lot of Captain America's past is, is based in racial politics. There's, there was the super soldier serum and the super soldier program, but it was tested on people before it got to Captain America. And that's the part you missed out of the out of the movie and out of the, the shows. And that didn't get brought up until the Super Soldier Serum story came out in Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus. So I was talking about this show with a friend, and he starts bringing up, yeah, man, 
oh man, that show, I like it. I like it. But why, why is it so racist? It's just racist. And I'm like, wait, what, what part of it? What are you, what are you talking about? My friend's getting all amped up about the show. He's like, yeah, it's great. But yeah, I mean, they, they, they bring up the fact that these, there were these black guys and then you've got these, these, these people in the other country in the Middle East and they're doing this. And then they, they call him out as, as being white and they mentioned, and he's just, it, there, there are quite a few different characters from different areas in the show. And I mean, even, even Wakanda shows up. So you got the African presence there too. And they bring up a lot of stuff about race, but the fact that he was so adamant about it being racist because race was being spoken of was really interesting to me. So I was kind of like curious, like, huh, I've heard people say stuff like this before, kind of in passing, but now we're having an, a passionate conversation about a Marvel TV show on Disney plus, which doesn't get too heavy at all. I mean, it's not in my opinion. And from the reviews I've seen, I don't think people had too much of a problem from any side with, with how race was brought up. It was, it just seemed like a relevant part of the story. I didn't think it was too woke. I didn't think it was too, too conservative. I don't know. There's a conservative word for woke too too alt-right or whatever. I didn't think, I didn't think too much of it. I was just talking about the story. I was like, yeah, when dude showed up, Isaiah, and he had his story to tell. And he used to be, he used to have the super strength and everything because of the whole super soldier program. And the guy just didn't know what to think about it. He's like, he's like, wow, they, the fact that they even talk about it. I'm like, okay, well, talking about it isn't being racist exactly. I mean, the very nature of a race discussion doesn't make it racist. And According to him, that wasn't the case. Anybody talks about race, brings up race, it's racist to that, to that person. It was, so I was like, uh, okay, T wasn't racially motivated or racialized or whatever, but that's, that was his takeaway. So long story short, that's why I'm stopping using the word racism or racist. I will find other ways to describe my thoughts, but not using those terms because a lot of people use them a lot of different ways. Almost like the F-bomb, but we don't know what we're talking about. When we use the F-bomb, people kind of know what you're talking about. You effing around, get the F away from me. F you. We kind of understand how to use that word in a lot of different ways, but not with race. So that's that. That was a long little tangent, but that's what we can do here in the podcast. Damn, I'm already 20 minutes in. They got a long way to go. All right. So I thought to myself, if Scott Adams is putting out this kind of stuff, and getting this kind of, getting this kind of backing, this kind of vibes, kind of attraction to them, then what else can we do? What, how can, how can we benefit from this kind of thing? How can we, maybe benefit's not the right word. If this kind of talk is garnering so much attention and it's largely negative, what could we do with some more positive attention? What could we do with trying to actually fix things? I know Scott says he's trying to fix things, but I think that what he did ended up doing a lot more harm than good. So here's what I want to know. What is he trying to say? What is he trying to do? Why is he trying to do it? I will go back and play more of it. And trust me, I do know the context of what he said. 
But that's not the important point for us as creators. People are going to say all kinds of crazy things. People are going to try to get you riled up, et cetera, et cetera. But this particular episode has the internet riled up, and I want to use that to illustrate something. Everyone is their own media company now. With this new advent of the internet, with this new advent of social media, connectivity, always online, with this new era, everyone is their own media company. Now, are you a good media company or a bad media? I shouldn't say good or bad. Are you a powerful media company or a less influential media company? Do you have sway or are your words largely ineffective online or to whoever your audience is? Not saying you have to have a big audience, but is what you say online effective? Do you touch people in it? What are your, what's your media presence like? And this is especially true for creators because if you're creating something, anything, doesn't matter what it is, art design, development, that covers a lot. Are you reaching people? Are you moving them? And the way you do that, the way you reach people, the way you move them is with a media platform. You have a resume that might be great and all, but what's your Instagram look like? You sent somebody your, your job proposal. That's all good. What's your YouTube channel like? You may be a nice journalist. You may have written up a lot of articles in, in your local paper or the blog or whatever. But what's your Twitter like? And this is all very serious and necessary. Because when people go to look for you and they try to connect with you, they need that tangible, interactive access point. And I didn't want to accept that for a while now, but then I realized I had to and really started pushing the brand, which really started pushing my personal, personal brand, my personal story. I started pushing all that out there. I, I totally didn't want to do that. For a while now, I've been working, tr trying to work behind the scenes, not being seen. And there are ways to do that, obviously. But things are so much easier and there's so much more to be gained from getting out into the media. Because, as I said, we're all our own little social media companies now. Our own little media companies, not social media, media. As in you produce content to be put out there. And not the kind of content like, I'm not saying your painting is content. You create your art or your work or whatever, and then you create content on top of that for the masses, for the public, or for whoever your audience is. And Scott Adams is no exception. People were out there saying he was spitting facts. Some people saying he was being divisive, telling the truth, saying he was crazy, saying he's a big fat doo-doo head. Some people saying that he's smart, playing 5D chess when people can't even understand 4D chess. Take, take all that for whatever it is. He's gathering attention. And in a media-based environment, capturing attention is the, is the qualifying factor. So right now, I've said it in other places. You can hear a whole discussion on this in, in my podcast with, with Theo. 
for show versus business, we said, it's the attention age, basically. And how do you get it? How do you keep it? How do you grow it? How do you multiply it? And how do you use it? So we've got this guy, Scott Adams, coming out. And what hit me as funny with this one is that I realized that, hey, wait a minute. He's not flipping out. He's not becoming unhinged. He's not going on a insane rant or having a racist meltdown. That's underestimating what he's been doing all this time. Not that it's a good thing that he did it the way he did, but it's intentional, very intentional. So I was listening to all these reports, right, on, on what people were thinking about it. I was just being fascinated by how the people on the right were had things to say, people on the left had things to say. They started bringing up other conversations. They started bringing up well, if you remember two years ago, this happened, Black Lives Matter, and then blah, 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 and then George Floyd, and then we have Kyle Rittenhouse. I'm like, wow, all of this is getting brought up because of this. And it wasn't just that one statement, by the way. There were, I say, two podcasts, two hour plus long podcasts leading up to that statement that caught everybody's attention. And then there were three or four or five afterwards that still kept rolling the, keeping the ball rolling on this whole thing. So he didn't just say one quick comment. This has been something that's been building up for years and has just now come to a head. In fact, he said a lot of stuff over time and I'll get to that in a minute, but really quickly, you got to understand who Scott Adams is. He's 65 years old, born in 1957. Ironically, I mean, people think that I've, some guy yelled at me at work. I was, uh, I was sitting down and I think President Obama came up and I forgot what I said. It was very innocuous, but somebody else brought him up and I started talking and being the black guy in the office, they decided to come to me to talk about President Barack Obama, black guy. So they, we, they started talking. I said some innocuous things and somebody stands up a couple of cubicles over and decides to yell, racism is over. And it wasn't a joke. It, the guy was legitimately upset. So I was like, all right, man, calm down, calm down. We'll talk about this later. Didn't mean to offend you, whatever. Let's get back to work. But it's kind of a loose environment like that. We talked about all kinds of stuff. So that wasn't out of the, that wasn't out of pocket. It just came across as funny to see a guy upset that we were talking about President Barack Obama being black. But yeah, when people yell stuff like racism is over, and then you have people who were born in 1957, putting stuff out like this today were very influential. Dilbert was carried in comic comic strips. The comic strips were carried in over 65 countries, you know, to over 2,000 separate media outlets, and he's getting he was getting paid from all of those. And a lot of them led directly back to his website where he would say more, more clearly about what he was doing. So, I mean, there's a whole rabbit hole that he's got built up, and that's part of this whole thing as well. And he's, and at 1957, he's older than Ruby Bridges, who was the first, first black person who would end up attending a social, um, an integrated school. There was the, there was a problem with, not a problem, but there was the integration crisis of, I forgot what year it was, but in, it was in New Orleans and they're having an integration crisis. 
and Ruby Bridges ended up being the first black child to go to this school. And she's now a civil rights activist, so she's alive as well. So a lot of the, because time moves so quickly now in the internet era, it just seems like people are getting very amped up about, hey, this is over, this is new, everything's changed now, stop bringing all that up. And it's like, eh, stuff is still, I mean, there's still vestiges of this. So 1957, uh, Scott Adams was born. He's a skilled communicator, has been doing this for a while, talking and comic book satirist, comedian of sorts, cartoonist, blogger, podcaster, opportunist, and hypnotist. That's an interesting one. He's a hypnotist, trained in the arts of persuasion and hypnosis. So that's literally human manipulation. It's something I would recommend people understand. I don't know about getting good at hypnotism, going around trying to fool people. I've met some of these people and usually it doesn't work out like, like you would think it does. It just kind of annoys people. But when you're good at it, you can get things to happen for you. Anyway, so those are his demographics. And yes, he is an opportunist. I didn't know how else to say it, but he's a troll. I don't mean to use that pejoratively, not that I wouldn't, but I, I don't know how else to describe him. I mean, he's online pranking people, riling them up, saying intentionally dubious or questionable things to get you involved in wordplay or to get you upset. And one of the types that, oh, 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 I didn't technically say that kind of things. And there's a place for that, but in general, it's annoying. Definitely a provocateur. As you heard from the clip, he identified as black at one point. He enjoys manipulation and the art of manipulation. And most importantly, it seems like Scott Adams wants to be on the winning team. That is a fact that comes up quite a bit in what he says. He wants to be part of the winning team. So, of course, all creators and developers want to be on the winning team. They want to have the best art show. They want to have the best outfits made. They want to have the best logo design company. They want to be known for creating whatever, whatever script in Hollywood, whatever movies. If you run a business, you want to be the best in the business or at least the best on your street, whatever. Everyone's trying to be part of the winning team. But Scott takes it to a different level and we'll see more of that later. So basically, here's what it all sums up to. And in fact, I'm not even going to use my summary of this. I'm going to use Scott Adams' summary. And this is how his whole game played out. So I want to explain how this game he did, or this, this, this campaign, he's been planning this a while. He calls this Act 3 of what he's been doing, because he's been talking about Act 1 and 2 for, as I said, years now. And finally, it's gotten up to Act 3. And of course, if you really look for it, you can find other things that he said in attempt to get this whole ball rolling. And this is the one thing that kicked it off in the Black History Month saying, get the hell away from black people. That's where he's at now. So for this whole little chapter episode of what he's been pushing out, he offers a summary. I'm going to use his summary as a way to, as a way to springboard off into understanding what he's trying to do, what he's really getting at. And this is where it gets good. So he retweets on 
he retweets uh, some guy, uh, some guy's meme, right? The, the, the meme has four panels to it. So in panel one, there's this frowning, angry black man saying, it's not okay to be white. Then the next panel, you have a, you have a picture of Dilbert saying, if that's how you feel, I really don't want to be around you. And then you go third panel, the, the once angry black man is now concerned and looks butthurt. And the last panel, the black man is angry again and frowning, says, that's racist. And in summary, that's what Scott Adams claims is the whole bit. And he retweeted this from some guy. And the guy he retweeted it from, his followers and his post, they're, they're not trying to be edgy. They're not trying to be slick. They're not trying to show any uh, satire or anything. They're being serious. A lot of these people are being serious. And this is one of the problems I have with what Scott Adams did. Regardless of what kind of game he's playing, regardless of trying to bring up a conversation, which is what his main point is, that he says, there's another layer to this. God, this is, this is so many layers to this because he's not just ranting. He's not just crazy. And he'll always say, what's the context? What's the context? You missed the context, which ironically forces you to try to find the context, go back and listen to all these other podcasts, go back and listen to what he's written, see him on interviews and such and such to find the context, but it's kind of hidden away. Kind of like, kind of like the secret, right? But he, what he's trying to manifest is kind of hidden away as long, but you have to understand what it is. I just thought of Kung Fu Panda right now. If you've seen that movie and made it to the end, you're talking about. So no, that, that's the summary and he's milking this for all he can. So am I surprised that this is happening? No. Um, as I said, he's a provocateur and it's a perpetuation of th some things that have, that have been going on. But I wanted to make sure I called this out because we need to get to a point where we're not just getting outraged for no apparent reason. We're not just getting upset. We need to understand what people are trying to do and what they think they can get from or how they think they can benefit by putting this out there. Not just to rile people up. Some people have more of a of a tactic, more of a plan, more of an idea of what's going to happen. Scott Adams is one of those people. So what is he really, really trying to do? As I said, he's not becoming unhinged. Don't, don't say that. He's not having a flip out, not having a meltdown. He's not ranting and he's not going insane. He is not insane. I mean, what's that phrase? He's crazy like Fox. This is a slick dude. And if you want to understand how people play with words, play with meanings, play with perceptions, ideas, concepts, structure of things, presentations, wordplay, this is what he excels in. This is what he does. He is fighting with the media in building his own platform. So, and Scott Adams isn't alone, and I'm going to bring in other people, but right now he's blaming the white media, what he calls the white media, and he means the current leftist set of talking points of the media for disrupting the narrative. 
So why would Scott Adams care about disrupting the narrative? Well, he mentions that what he was doing or that what he is doing is useful and that what he did in this whole episode was very useful. And he said, quote, the box was broken and it needed to be shaken up. He meant it to be provocative. He intended for something like this to happen. And he has been, he's been working at getting it to happen for a while. Have you ever seen those images where somebody's chopping a tree and it's getting down to that last little bit and they're like, this is going to break sooner or later? That's what he's been doing for a while. He's just been chopping at the, the media, finding out, hey, can I go this far? Can I go this far? Can I go this far? How far do I go before they get, they get upset with me? And, and why do you care about creating a narrative? Okay, so the narrative that he's trying to create, first of all, everything runs off a narrative. There's a, there's a theory of thought that everything is basically a narrative. Every idea, thought, impulse, and so is a story, a narrative in your head. And traditionally, white media has controlled the narrative. That's just, I'm not mad at it or anything. It's just kind of how it is. For most of your information, there's this quote-unquote white media that has controlled much of the large overriding narrative. And this has been pushed into, you can take this back to East Bernays, take this back into the Mad Men era. You could take this back to early, early politics and just the whole idea of getting out there. The medium is the message. What was that movie network where in 84, even if you want to go that far, they're just controlling this media narrative, right? And Scott says, this is not me saying, Scott says that the white media is broken, needs to be fixed. And he was doing this to start a conversation. So with the narrative now, saying, how does this work? Imagine anything you imagine. You don't just imagine it as a thing. You imagine a little story in your head. So when somebody says, hey, let's go to McDonald's, you don't just think of McDonald's. You think of, oh yeah, McDonald's. That could be a good narrative in your head or a bad narrative. A good narrative, for example, would be, hey, I go pick up the kids. I sit down, eat a filet fish while they run around that little playground and get tired. And then all the kids are happy and are yelling. One's got, one's got fruit punch on their shirt. That's okay, whatever. I'm sitting here eating my filet fish My lady's eating her McNuggets. We're all happy. And you go home and that's the narrative of McDonald's. You think of Ronald McDonald, you think of Grimace. Hamburglar, you're just happy with it. Like, oh yeah, let's get a happy meal. And then some people may have a bad thought of McDonald's, a bad narrative in their head about McDonald's. And they may think of, oh man, um, the Super Size Me movie was right. That that food is bad for you. Don't even go there. They outsource their their meat their meat is fake, the pink slime, and ice cream machines never work. The narrative in their head could be completely different. So the narratives are very important and you have a narrative. So when you show up, people are telling themselves a little story in their heads about you. When the name United States comes up and a certain narrative comes up, Walt Disney comes up and there's a narrative there. And if you control the narrative, you can control people. 
Because if everyone thinks that TikTok is a danger and it's a problem, then it's going to start failing. People are going to start deleting it from their phones. People are going to start using whatever other platform. I don't use TikTok anymore. So the narrative wasn't working for me. The different console systems, like if you ever see two kids talk about their favorite video game console, they'll start explaining the narrative between like the PS5 or the Xbox or the Nintendo Switch. There are all these narratives, there are stories that you tell. And this happens with everything. And it's extremely important. A city has a certain narrative. And I don't mean like somebody sat down and wrote a story, but there's a little process that plays out in your head that goes from beginning, middle to end. And the end is the beginning again. It's just kind of this, this looping story, this looping film strip, this looping clip that plays in your head. That's like, yes, I like that. Or it offers this feeling, this attitude, this presentation. And when we're trying to decide what to do, we'll take a narrative and run with it. If your personal narrative says you should get up and start painting, and that's who you think you are, that, that becomes part of your identity. You get up and start painting. But if for some reason your narrative says, well, none of my paintings have ever sold. I'm a failure. I'm not going to be able to get ahead in life with, with this art thing. I might as well just stay in bed. If that's your personal narrative, guess what? You're not going to feel like getting out of bed. So this whole narrative thing isn't just cute, fun stuff. Isn't just like writing Dilbert comics. We're talking about something greater. We're talking about a whole way of impressing minds and moving thought. In the old days, the narrative was basically controlled by, not too old, but like Rupert Murdoch and, and, and Fox Media. They changed the narrative for, for news. All news was kind of one way. Then Fox was like, you know what? We can get, we can do the whole, this whole thing differently. And you've got a large segment of the population thinking completely differently because of Fox news. And they leveraged that to all types of means. And it was just fascinating and different. CNN did the same thing. They were like, you know what? We could do 24 hour news. People are like, what are you talking about? It's like, we could run a, a different narrative. We could talk to people in a certain way. They didn't think they needed news 24 hours, but we can give it to them for 24 hours. Like, holy crap. That's awesome. And yeah, if you watch the show Mad Men, it, you can kind of start to see a lot of this happening. It's a, it's a good show. A lot of people don't like it just because of the subject matter, but it's entertaining and it says a lot. So that was like the old school. I mean, if you go way old school, the Bible was, that was some narrative for you, boy. They, they come in with the Bible on some boats. Are you about to get a narrative? <laughs> Ooh, let's see. Uh, the new, but in the new world, not like the new world of America, but the new situation they're dealing with, with media is completely different, right? So once again, how does Scott Adams fit into this and why does it matter to creators? I'm just trying to point out to you how these steps happen. Jeff Bezos, he didn't just start Amazon. Very quickly, 
he leveraged into Twitch and then started moving into actual mainstream media with his purchase of the Washington Post. People thought that was interesting, like, hmm, okay, whatever. But this is a power move to control the media, because when you control the media, you can control a lot of the narrative. He was the only one. Very recently, Elon Musk purchases Twitter. And next thing you know, he's controlling the narrative from his point of view. He can say what he wants to say, pretty much. And it gets millions and millions of views, retweets. He's got his own media channel. He can kind of say things how he wants to. He can present things how he wants to. If he thinks people are lying about SpaceX or Tesla, he can just drown it out pretty much. What are you going to do? Get mad? Zuckerberg, the same thing. We, we saw how there have been studies on how much Facebook can change the election. We've seen information on how TikTok is displayed differently in different countries. China is much more positive in what it displays for its users than, say, America or any other country. I don't know. I've only seen the America and China comparisons. But that's important. This is setting up the media. I mean, this is setting up a media narrative, right? So with all that power and the fact that we're in this new attention age, because before... I mean, if you didn't watch Fox News, you didn't watch Fox News. Or if you didn't pick up the New York Times, you didn't pick up the New York Times. You might hear somebody talking about it, but you didn't get into it. Now I can just be sitting around and all of a sudden a link from the New York Times comes up and it's like, hey, um, you really need to read this. I'm like, oh, crap. I never, I never checked for the New York Times, but all of a sudden it's in my face. Uh-oh, what do I do? Do I read it? Do I reject the narrative? Well, who's it coming from? Oh, it's one of my friends? Okay. Oh, wait, he's, it's not from, from my, one of my friends. He retweeted it. What do I do? So all of a sudden we've got all this new media coming at us and people like Scott Adams are realizing this. And I think you should realize this as well. If you're a creator, who are you talking to? What are you talking about? Where's your discussion going? What narrative are you building? Are you trying to create a better future? Are you sowing discord? There are a lot of questions to be asked. And in this attention age, if you're not asking it, you're not talking about it, you are falling behind. So you think I'm joking. People are talking about getting canceled and listen, getting canceled is something that Scott Adams enjoys. A lot of people actually enjoy it because it gives them a sense of freedom. It instantly rallies people to their cause. If you have enough of a following and Scott Adams does, and enough of a presence, and he does. And, you know, you're, he was talking about, this is his retirement age anyway. He could just go out, live somewhere, and talk noise, and just chill for the rest of his life. And he's playing, he's, he's, I don't, he, I, I don't think he's calling this his official retirement, but he said, he's hinted at, this is it before. And we've seen him pumping up to this. Is that a good thing? I think he's doing it at the expense of everyone else, which I think is a problem. I think that's a little irresponsible. I think that's very unfortunate that you would just like, hey, F you, I'm going to 
I'm going to sell some subscriptions. I'm going to chill. I'm going to go off on the beach and I'm going to rile everybody up. I'm going to say things that might be on both sides of the fence. And I don't care what you, I don't care who that hurts or who that affects. I'm going to get a conversation started, quote unquote, conversation that helps out my cause. Is that, is that healthy? You've seen kids who will do stuff just to get your attention. Old people do it too. So anyway, as I said, this is no different from what Kanye West has figured out, Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate, Rush Limbaugh, Alex Jones, Glenn Beck, Tucker Carlson. I mean, this is, this is what these people have realized. And I'm using them in particular because they all fall under the same type of playbook. They don't all have the same views. They don't all mean the same thing. They don't all have the same narrative that they're pushing, but they're all kind of following a similar playbook where they slowly push the envelope and then they hold on to the people that are, are rocking with them. They market to those people and they keep on kind of doing that. And then at some point, the negativity stops mattering in a negative way. At some point, the negative energy flows back to them and they can use it for themselves. So this is why you shouldn't get too riled up over it. You shouldn't get too bent out of shape. They're just, a lot of people are just doing it to do it, to build this narrative. And they don't, they may not give a damn about who it affects or what it, what it does to humanity. And of course, I would be, I, I would just, it would be a shame if I missed Donald Trump, who is arguably the king of this type of narrative pushing, starting, starting trends, starting ideas, pushing memes out there like fake news, persuasion. If you read, and, and Scott Adams is a student and a fan of Joe Rogan, Kanye West, Donald Trump. I know those for sure. And he's following that playbook, but in his own, in his own way. Win bigly, indeed. That's a Donald Trump phrase, by the way, bigly. So yeah, they're all these energetic fan bases that he's tapping into. And I don't suggest anybody go around trying to just do things for clickbait, try to game the algorithm or jump online saying, Scott Adams had a meltdown. Oh, he's crazy. He's a freaking, freaking animal. He's a, I was about to say something else. So I'm trying not to curse because apparently that messes with your, with the algorithm now. Cursing is not as, as nice to, to newer audiences. But yeah, I don't suggest you go around fomenting anger for clicks, but I'm just describing it. There are, there are, I think, better, stronger, and more lasting ways of creating your audience narrative, the audience that you want, to, the narrative that you want to give to your audience. So yeah, back to Scott Adams. So yeah, this whole, this whole thing has been going on and it's a, it's a case study. And I, I really thought it was very interesting how he, how he 
dances between word play and word meanings where he'll say something like, well, am I wrong? And when you hear people say something like, well, is it wrong or am I wrong? There's actually two ways you can read that. You can read that as, am I incorrect or am I, am I doing the wrong thing? Am I, am I, am I a foul person? Like that kind of wrong? You can mean a lot of things. So you've got to look at what you're creating because it's setting up your narrative. And this is, this goes into kind of a branding discussion. I'm not going to get into all that here, but as you're putting something out, you've got to think of the mental, the economical, the theological, physical, sociological, political, emotional. You got to think of all these different aspects as you're creating or as you're talking and as you're building. And the only way you can effectively do this is to do this like a stand-up comedian or a musician, and you have to practice in public, which is why social media is so interesting because there's this dance that's going back and forth between you and your audience as you're building up this community, this, this, uh, this community narrative. So look, Scott Adams has his followers up, subscribers up, his engagement is up, and his freedom is up. And if you could tell from... In 57 style leanings, he's big on freedom, being able to say what he wants and free speech, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So in fact, in one of his podcast episodes, he mentioned, what will I do with all the power media is handing to me? I mean, that's, that was the name of one of his podcast episodes after he was quote unquote canceled. What will I do with all the power media is handling? That's a dangerous thing. He's out there sowing discord. And for you Bible fanatics, I'm, I'm sorry, I haven't touched a Bible for quite a while, over a decade now. Actually, no, there, there was one I, I looked through when I was at my aunt's house. We were talking. Mad respect to the Bible, but I just haven't touched it in a while. Anyway, talks about sowing discord and how dangerous it is. And for any creators, I don't suggest you go around sowing discord. I would hope that we do a better job of building positive narratives. Proverbs 6, 16. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, that's an arrogant demeanor. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies. And one who sows discord amongst brothers. That's right. James 4, 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. So yeah, don't speak evil against each other. No need to stay away from people. Not like that. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. All right, let's go peacemakers. And here's one that I like, speaking out to the social media crowd. Titus 3.9, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. That's right. Unprofitable and worthless. You might have some arguments against the unprofitable part, but we're trying to get further as a society, so to the profit society, I'll say no there. So yeah, creating a narrative is possibly the most important power move you can make. So for those who are waiting on it, I can, I'm going to go ahead and break down a little bit of what exactly happened in the drama and 
I, I didn't want to bury the lead with all these facts and numbers and stats and all that. So this is what I'm going to do right now. I am going to jump in and talk about the actual poll itself, where it started to break down, where it started to fall apart, and what you were, were actually hearing. And as I said, when I said, Scott Adams started out with this quote, which he summarized. And right off the bat, I thought it was a, it was, I thought it was just a bad take right off the, the bat. And if you don't think you can have a bad take from statistics, there's actually a book called How to Lie with Statistics. And this is something people do all the time. And you've heard about accounting tricks and things like that. So just because you read a stat or just because you read some, some facts and figures, you have to look a little deeper to make sure you know what you're talking about. Because according to the comments, and this is where I think Scott Adams was very irresponsible, for whatever he's trying to do, build his power base and live on a beach somewhere, being free to say what he wants. Within all of that, he's caused a lot of strife. And he even, if you ever looked at the comments to any of his recordings or any of his posts, there are a lot of people who he disavows. I'm talking about white nationalists. I'm talking about um, neo-Nazis, far-right extremists. They rock with this guy. And he uses the kind of language where it's like, it's that wink, wink kind of language. Like, hey, I disavow all of what you're doing. I'm actually, I actually identify as black and there was systemic racism. So I disavow you. And, you know, they kind of like, oh man, don't say that. But then they rock with him anyway. And there's a lot of that going on. So as I said, irresponsible, totally a totally horrible take, I think. I vehemently disagree with that. But, and I, I say I say that because I know he is smart enough and intelligent enough and devious enough to understand all of these numbers, all of these thoughts, all of these ideas. And let's start with the Rasmussen poll. This is from, the, from Mark Mitchell, the head of the Rasmussen poll. So, so bring it back. The poll basically said, stated, do you agree with this statement? It's okay to be white. And you have five choices. You know, the strongly, strongly agree, agree, not sure, strongly disagree, and disagree. You have the five. You've seen those types of surveys before. So Mark Mitchell puts this statement out, and the way he says it, I just thought was very, very interesting. So let's open this up, and we'll see what he says. questions. But here's another example. One that would literally melt the brain of a mainstream journalist if they try these numbers to ink. Melt the brain of a mainstream journalist. So this is already kind of an attack on main, quote unquote mainstream media and the fight that a lot of people are having with what they call the woke media, the leftist media. And that's fine. That's fine to have those discussions. But. It just seems like the way that he's put out a lot of his statements, it seems like he's not trying to be fair, but he's trying to be anti, if that makes any sense. Like we're the other direction. Like this is, to me, this sounds a little bit like the Fox News. Hey, they're biased. We're fair and balanced. It's like, okay, you're on the other side. That doesn't mean you're 
fair and balanced, that means you're on the other side. So that's what I'll say to that. I'll let him continue. It is a melting of the minds. Why? Because it conclusively undermines the current racial orthodoxy. Now, as a caveat, I have absolutely no idea how YouTube is going to take this one. But all we did was ask very simple questions that should be controversial. Very simple questions that should be uncontroversial. It, I'll, I'll get into why this question was weird, but coming from a pollster whose job it is to do this sort of thing, that seems iffy, man, just coming out, hey, it's, it's, it's simple. It's black and white. It's, it's, it's a simple question. I don't see why anybody would be bothered by it. You always got to worry about stuff like that. We are reporting on what Americans told us, nothing more. Do you agree or disagree with this statement? It's okay to be white. Mind-blowingly, or perhaps not, the vast majority of American adults agree, 72%. 58% strongly agree, only 12% disagree, and only 6% of those strongly. Now, 17% of Americans are not sure, and that's a pretty big number for a question like this. All right, so that's all of America uh, asking the question, do you agree or disagree with the statement, it's okay to be white? And he gives the numbers for all Americans. And then what he's going to do is he's going to come back and start talking about how that plays out for the racial component, which is where it starts to get interesting. Should be a simple question to answer. To me, that is the standout number. People berated or guilted so much that they won't anonymously submit a response to an IVR call or an online survey. Now, just for those wondering, if we took out the not sures, then 86% of Americans agree with that statement, a whopping 70% strongly. But I'm going to just... All right, so that was the all poll, right? He's talking about everybody. Now he starts to break it down into the different racial categories. So you have a thousand people that he, that Rasmussen actually, actually polled. And that's fine for a survey. Now from a thousand people, you start to take cuts of that population and get your numbers there. So that's, that's what happens here. It's not like there's a thousand black people that were polled of the entire populace, a thousand of, of the entire populace, a thousand polled. A smaller fraction of that was black people, and here we go. Not sure is in there for all these. But just keep in mind that the agreement number here is bigger than even these numbers indicate. Men agree slightly more than women, and younger adults slightly less than older ones. But here's race, and there is a signal here. White adults are much more likely to say it's okay to be white, which I think is very telling considering how much effort has been put into convincing white Americans that it isn't okay. Only 7% of white Americans say it isn't okay to be white. Among black and Hispanic and other race Americans, decent majority agree, but look at those not sure numbers. All right, so here's where we're about to get into the race part of it. After saying that white people basically agree with the statement, it's okay to be white. We'll carry on with non-whites. Painful chunk of minority Americans aren't sure if it's okay to be white. 26% of black Americans and 16% of Hispanic and other race Americans say it isn't okay to be white. Here's party. 83% of Republicans. All right, right there. So 
do you agree or disagree with the statement, it's okay to be white? He's saying that if you don't agree, then you're saying it's not okay to be white. That is not genuine. Especially when you're talking to somebody who's not white, because the question is a little bit weird. I'll get into that later, but just think about that. It's it's a weird question. Now I'll, I'll get into why in a second. Go ahead. Agree and only 6% disagree. But look at Democrats. Democrats by a huge majority, 69%, and with 51% strongly agreeing, say it's okay to be white and only 12% say it isn't. Take out the not sure responses and it's 86% of Democrats, which is significantly higher than Biden's approval rating among Democrat voters. Let me say that again. More Democrats say it's okay to be white than say they at least somewhat approve of the job Joe Biden is doing as president. There. All right, I'm not worried about the, the Joe Biden presidency part, so I might cut this out. Much to say about independents, except they pull closer to Democrats on this one, which is pretty atypical of their recent behavior. Now, I think this is a pretty big deal. We just proved that the vast majority of Americans 88% either agree with or refuse to answer whether they agree with a statement that the Southern Poverty Law Center has literally labeled hate speech. Don't you think that's a big deal? Why hasn't one single pollster asked this question? Why haven't the House pollsters at any newspaper or news networks asked this? All right, we're not stopping there. Let's take a look at a core tenet of critical race theory. Do you agree? All right, so now he's going to go into critical race theory, which I am not here to really discuss as much, but for the purposes of this part of the podcast, I'll, I'll record it. ...or disagree with this statement. Black people can be racist too. 79% of Americans, even more than it's okay to be white, agree 53% strongly, and the same 12% disagree. Only 10% are not sure here. Men and women are within spinning distance, as are the ages, though younger Americans are less likely to strongly, much less than the number which was in the 20s for the previous question. So, all right, well, that's the end of that. Probably going to cut some of that out. No need to talk about it. All right, so that's that. So here's what the numbers came out to be. And so for Black Americans, and remember, out of a 1,000, there's only about 13%, so you're looking at about 130 black people, and then you're talking about only 47% of those disagree or are not sure about the statement. So first of all, he's basing, the Rasmussen polls are basing this on 63 people. 63 people supposedly extrapolated to 44 million pe people. That's how many black people are in the United States. I will let everyone argue about confidence intervals, sample sizes, and statistical analysis in the comments if you like, but 63 people extrapolated to 44 million people, and you're deciding to call all of them a hate group. Mr. Adams, you might not even mean that, but you said that. So that's very interesting that even, this would even be a discussion. 
And the reason I'm going back to the poll is because I don't think that he was being genuine. I just think it served his purpose. So there's enough argument room in here to say what you should be a little more responsible and not put something like this out. If it's going to affect the world this way, but he wants to affect the world this way. He wants to start up this firestorm. He wants to, as he said, break up the box, shake it up because it's broken. That, that's the only way you can fix it. Somewhere in one of his podcasts, he mentioned breaking things. And if some people get hurt or bad things happen, then it's like, hey, well, we had to have the conversation. So sorry to be you. I mean, this is the kind of, this is the kind of maneuvering people do behind closed doors. And he's not doing it behind closed doors. He's just doing it. And that's where we are right now. So you're probably asking, hey, well, that is a simple question. Why can't you just answer it? Why, why are you even saying this is something weird? Okay. Remember I told you back in the summary that he gave out. The very first part of the summary was an angry black man saying, it's not okay to be white. That is not the same as a question on a survey asking, do you agree or disagree with this statement, colon, it's okay to be white? Do, do you catch that? Do, do, do you see what I'm, what I'm saying here? I think it's difficult for a lot of people to understand how questions and words are received when they're directed at different people from different people. So a, a poll saying something in a certain way is going to read differently than when you hear it out in the street a certain way than coming from a person who's reading it a certain way. And the person who's reading it has to assume all these different things. This kind of information gets, it gets, it gets worded properly, not, not worded properly. It gets spread out and error starts to fall away when you've got a larger sample number. But you're, but we're dealing with a fraction of 1000 people here, namely 130 people, but specifically dealing with 61 people who said, not sure, or they disagree. So we're even including the not sures. Here's the thing. You ask this question, do you agree or disagree with this statement? It's okay to be white. I would probably say not sure because I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I don't even, if, if you're just, if you just get a poll from somewhere and the question says, do you agree or disagree with this statement? It's okay to be white. Here's here. You don't believe me, but this happens so much in society. And as a as a former video game designer, I can tell you the way you word questions, the way you word prompts, the way you set up your environments, the way you present everything, people read it in a multitude of different ways. And the way this question is worded is not straightforward and con and it's confusing in a lot of different ways. I'm not saying people are sitting there like, hey, what does this mean? I'm confused. I'm dumb. I don't know how to read. I'm saying they're going to read it and think, oh, they probably mean this when the meaning is actually a little ambiguous. And I don't, I won't say this about Rasmussen, but they are right leaning and they've probably got a lot of biases based on, I'm saying this based on what I've read from their other polls and how they do they're, they're tweeting how they present themselves in the media. 
I'm going to assume that people who put this question together and people who presented it have certain biases and they don't know that they're expressing them in this way. So how could you read? How could you read that question? Do you agree or disagree with the statement? It's okay to be white. How could you read that differently? What could that mean? You could be asking, is it all right to exist as a white person? Is it safe to exist as a white person? Is it okay to act white? Or maybe that statement means it's fine and dandy to identify as white. I mean, if someone says, is it, is it okay to identify as white? A lot of people might be like, oh, I don't know. I guess so. Maybe. I don't know. Or if you're a black person reading this, you're like, oh, is it okay to identify as white? Uh, no, no, because I'm not white. I, I can't, I don't, I don't want to take that. Props all white people, but I don't think it's okay to identify as white. Maybe that's what they think the statement is. And how else could you read that? Uh, would it okay? Would it be okay if I were a white person? Would it be cool to be white? Like, would it be uh, a good thing? Like if you go around looking at the memes, people say, hey, that's okay. Or, hey, that's not okay. They're using it in a slightly different way than people in previous generations did. And this guy and Scott Adams are a little older. So they may not have the context of the, hey, that's okay. That's not okay. Or, hey, that's okay. It's okay for you to do that. All right. They don't have that context of words being used like that. Does it feel good to be white? Is it is white fun? Is it okay to call people out for being white? Is the concept of white problematic? Is the concept of white uh, beneficial? Is it okay to even recognize skin color? You see, when you got a statement like that just kind of floating around, you can read that a lot of different ways. In fact, I just read that in uh, about 15 different ways, I'd guess. If I read that in about 15 different ways and you're telling me that we're dealing with around, if you're talking about the ones who disagree or don't agree or not that, 15 people, 15 different ways of interpreting that, you could get, that could wildly skew the numbers. So this is where I have a problem with some of these polls and some of these experiments. Um, I don't know if you know or not, but like the schools of uh, psychology and medicine and polling. Yes, we, th th these things are quote unquote scientific, but that doesn't mean the answers you're getting are what you think they are. They're simply the answers you're getting. I'm not discounting science at all. I'm just saying as time progresses, we understand more, we learn more, and we're able to do more and see more. And I think that this question is one that is intentionally asking for something that's a little cloudy. So that may have sounded like a stretch to you, right? And don't, and don't forget, oh my gosh, don't, don't forget, it's okay to be white is actually a slogan, you know? A slogan that it's a politically charged slogan so if it's a politically charged slogan like who answers these types of surveys people that want to have their voice counted or who want to if you're if you're paying people to have the survey they may just want some some quick change 
and but they may not be appropriate for the survey. Or I remember when I was in when I was in school, I used to go out trying to answer these surveys because I wanted my voice heard. I had more of an activist mindset at the time. So who are you really getting these these answers from? And they say you're the random and all that, but are as I said, if you're coming up from just randomly asking people who is stopping to answer them, that's what I'm asking. There's a lot of there's a lot of places Eric can get in. And if you still don't believe me that this could be skewed, replace it's okay to be white. Replace that with do you agree or disagree with this statement? Black Lives Matter. And somebody could say, hey, it's just a simple statement. It, it's it's very simple. It's just I just asked you, do you agree or disagree with this statement? And you're like, well, you can't answer that because Black Lives Matter is it's, it's a it could be read as a matter of fact. It could be read as a slogan. It could be read as an organization. It's 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 tainted in terms of a a, a question. And you're telling me these people, these very smart people, would use a tainted question and they wouldn't know it's a tainted question, but they would present it anyway. I doubt that. Okay, let's say, do you disagree or agree with this statement? Stop Asian hate. Well, of course. Or not. I don't know. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. It can be misinterpreted. Might makes right. Let's get ready to rumble. These aren't just normal statements. In fact, how about this one? Do you agree or disagree with this statement? Don't tread on me. You see where I'm going. So given all we understand and know about polling, pollsters, people doing things for political advantage, the gamesmanship of Scott Adams, he's smart enough to know all this. And yet, yet he chose to use this poll, which he gave the, he even says in his post, he leaves himself a CYA, an exit, where he can say, well, I, t I said it was totally a lot of my dealings with black people were anecdotal and what I've seen on the internet of racial actions going on. It's totally anecdotal, but I'm just saying I don't like it. And okay, Dude, it's not even about whether he likes it or whether he's understanding of this or not. He's playing you. He's playing the people. He's playing a game. A very serious game. Not like he's sitting around giggling and having fun, but this is what he does. And if you're still here, he's been like this for a while. This is not something new to him. This is not something that he's unfamiliar with. As I said, he's been building and practicing this for a long time. If you take enough swings at bat, you'll probably hit a home run at some point. And he has done so with this. Back in, back in 2006, his TV show got canceled, The Dilbert Show. He actually had a cartoon made of it. And he explained, it was on UPN, a network that few people watch. And because of some management screw-ups between the first and second seasons, the time slot kept changing. We lost our viewers. We were also scheduled to follow the worst TV show ever made. On TV, your viewership is 75% determined by how many people watch the show before yours. That show was Shasta McNasty. That killed us. Look, I, I don't ever remember watching Shasta McNasty, but... If that was your lead-in show to Dilbert, sorry, the Dilbert show did actually get some awards, and 
I didn't think it was a bad show. A lot of people say that it's not funny or whatever. I I didn't think the transition from comic strip to cartoon was was that good. But I didn't think it was a bad show. I did like the episode about the blue duck. It it, it made a lot of salient points, and it just wasn't it wasn't sitcommy enough. And I think that the time schedule was kind of sitcommy. It wasn't. It was a cartoon, but it wasn't it wasn't Simpsons enough. You had people in an office workspace and it wasn't it didn't seem edgy enough or whatever. Something was about it that it just didn't seem right for TV. So we didn't get that TV show renewed. That's fine. But then later in June 28, 2020, Adams claimed on Twitter the show was canceled because he was white and UPN had decided to focus on an African-American audience, and that he had been discriminated against. A little change of tune there from the previous answer. But UPN did actually decide to move to an African-American programming slate where they're like, hey, we're trying to figure out where this, where our audience stands, where we can build our brand, how we can target our market, how we can build a a proper network and any any network needs a needs an out needs a, an outlet a style a, a format an audience a draw and so if you're going UPN most most of the black audience or african american audience as he says here wasn't into into dilbert i don't think i ever saw one black character on dilbert that may have been part of it. It just, I mean, this isn't anything to do with the quality of the show. It's just, it wasn't something for the audience. In fact, a lot of, a lot of black people I know don't, didn't watch Seinfeld. Me and my brother thought it was awesome, but it's like, that's us. So let's go back to the comic strips, right? He, so he's claiming that he had been discriminated against suddenly and I, I suppose that's a valid point, but way back in the day, at least at least six, seven years ago, he decided to add a black character to Dilbert finally. He called him Dave. Now, listen, I'm going to just read out this three panel, three panel strip here. If you're on YouTube, I guess I'll put it up, but well, I don't even know if that's legal. I don't know if I, know if I can do that. Anyway, three panel comic. Management asked me to add some diversity to the engineering team. That's what the CEO says. So everybody's sitting at a meeting table. CEO says, hey, management asked me to add some diversity to the engineering team. Second panel, CEO sitting next to a black guy. CEO says, meet Dave. And he, he's gesturing towards Dave. Dave looks over, says, first words out of the first black character's mouth is, I identify as white. CEO looks at him, you're ruining everything. So, that's that's how we're going to start off with our black character. Now, to be fair, nobody in the Dilbert universe is particularly correct. The CEO is a moron. Dilbert's kind of intelligent, but is not able to get anywhere. That's Scott Adams in a nutshell. And every character is just kind of whatever. That's just an interesting first episode for this character. Well, in the very next episode that Dave shows up in, he said, first panel, he's talking to the CEO. Dave and the CEO are talking. Dave, the black character. Dave says, from now on, my pronouns are she and her. 
oh, okay. We're going to start like that. In the next panel, he, he says, and I'll report to HR any bigoted use of the wrong pronoun, folding his arms. And then the CEO asks, is this a parody or are you serious? Dave walks away. I think you will find it doesn't matter. Now I see, I see the comedy there. I see the, I see the joke there. I see the satire. I see the humor. I see the setup and reflection on society. Sure, I get it. Is it's just you say you have a black character and this is what they're doing. They identify as white. They're they're female. They're female because my pronouns are she and her. Just a very interesting interesting display. And uh, so that's how the comic strip is going. And you can see, uh, let's see if that was, if that was uh, 2015, you can see how that type of humor might not go over with everybody. A lot of people liked it. And as, as I said, you can jump in the comments and you can see the people who are following Scott and really get into it. And they canceled their subscription to a newspaper because Scott Adams isn't in it anymore. But that's how, uh, that's how the comic strip was playing out. And since you're still here, let me go ahead and mention how, show how he was talking about Black History Month. And this is actually from his podcast. So not on the comic anymore, not on the satire. We're back on the podcast. I'm just going to play a little clip here. I'm guilty. Um, how about uh, Black History Month? Is Black History Month good or bad for black people? Yeah, this is the kind of stuff that Scott Adams talks about. He just gets into the, I don't know where he got into this political mode from, but I think it was mostly to get attention and things like that. So is Black History Month good for black people? Let's see what he says. Some of you say bad. Let's see, you, you think I'm going to say it's bad. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's bad. I, I feel like black America... You know, went through enough. They they get a month. <laughs> you know, if you have the experience of Black Americans from slavery to today, yeah, you could have a month. Oh well, thank you very much. We could have a month. This almost, yeah. I don't know how this sounds out of out of context and just playing a little bit, but this is a continuous stream of podcasts that he does almost daily, like a comic strip. And he just continues this flow. So it's not like it's hard to take out of context because it's continually contextualized as this, hey, let's just say stuff that, I don't know, is edgy or some people, how some people put it. He says the, he says the quiet part that no one says in public. So that's part of the stick as well. Let's see what else he has to say. Oh, probably that. But it is racist, isn't it? Oh. This, this is a racism I totally agree with. I'm totally in. That's fine. Let's be, let's be as educated as possible about our true history. Now, you know, you might say, hey, you know, how about a woman's history month? Oh, oh, it's not just about race, is it? So let's plenty of stuff he has to say about women. So let's, let's go ahead and jump into the women's history month. Have that too. We do have a Women's History Month. I don't know how many other history months there are, but aren't they all either sexist or racist? See, when you get into a discussion with somebody, and this is why I don't use 
this is why I don't use the word racist or racism anymore. One of the reasons why, because I have a different way of looking at it than this. The fact that you have a woman's history month and he's going, isn't that racist? You might think that this is a crazy statement, or you might think this is the most sane statement on earth, the most sensible statement or the craziest statement. This is how far the definition varies between people. And this is why we need to have open, honest conversations, not conversations that are pandering. You know, he talked to different people and we'll get to that in a second. But how much of this is a shtick? Well, let me uh, jump really quickly and show you him having a meltdown. This is, this is quoted from somebody else's page. This is from a news junkie. Props to news junkie. I'll go check him out. He does a lot of good stuff. I couldn't find this on my own, so I had to. You'll hear his voice interject in there for a second. I'll go ahead and play his. So this is him. A commenter basically jumped in the comments and said something about what he had referred to about vaccines. So this is if this is a commenter that knows his history and what he had talked about, that means they're probably following him and they're not that malicious, right? But but he decides to go off on this person. Let's see. Uh, here's Shelly. God's uh, $1,000 life is short. We all know you got duped by COVID because your friend scared you into trying to save the world. Okay, this is that's him just reading a comment, by the way. He's reading the person's comment, and then he's going to respond to it. So let me back that up just a second. Here, Shelly. God's uh, $1,000 life is short. We all know you got duped by COVID because your friend scared you into trying to save the world. To apologize. Wait we'll for accept it. it. Hang out of patience. Fuck you, you stupid cunt. Let me say that. You are a piece of fucking shit. You Whoa. Okay. Uh, sounded like a little bit of the real came out right there. Like you try to keep your cool and you pull a Kramer and, and the real starts to come out a little bit. You start to, to snap on people. It's hard to keep it together sometimes. So I might actually call this one a, a meltdown, even though I don't usually like using those terms. Let's continue. Tell people what they think and then insult them in public. Tell me what you fucking think, you small-minded piece of crap. But don't tell me what I think and then insult me in public when you're fucking wrong. Here's the thing. I was definitely scared about civilization. It's not, it had nothing to do with getting a vaccination. Because that scare came long before the vaccinations were available. All right. So... Shout out to News Junkie once again. Yeah, I can't find the original of that. I wish I had more of that, but that seemed like a, it, for somebody who's been on the internet doing all kinds of stuff and having somebody snap for saying, for saying you're wrong or whatever, do you get that upset about a random comment? I don't know. Might be a thing. This continues on and on and on. And what he gets into basically is a is a whole screed about and this is this is throughout his his post and podcast his view of the way the world should be and as intelligent as properly laid out and as structured as it is 
you have to take into consideration that you and your thoughts are not alone in this world. You live with a lot of people. You're trying to be helpful to everybody. We're trying to move forward as a society. And you, it's, you can't just say, shut up and listen to how I think because I'm Scott and I say so. And this is how it's going to be. That's just oppressive. I work with people, right? It's a, it's, and the whole, everything is racist. Oh, Women's History Month, that's sexist. Oh, Black History Month is racist. And then complaining later that they're just going to call me a racist. And this is, okay, this is one of the reasons why I don't mess with the, the colorblind type of argument where it's like, hey, I don't see color. It's like, that, that just confuses things even more. I believe we should all be celebrating our differences. I believe we should all be understanding that we are unique and special individuals. I almost said snowflakes, but I am not a snowflake. Uh, <laughs> and I know how charged that word is. Unique and individual people with different thoughts, opinions, ideas. And hey, we can get along together in this world. And that's how it should be. Things evolve, things change, things grow, and you adapt to it. You don't try to beat out or stamp out growth. You don't let nonsense occur, but you don't try to stamp out growth. And I think this is what's happening. And yeah, if you, for, for more on, did I, have I followed this guy? Have I checked him out? He goes on the Hotep Jesus show. Hotep Jesus has co-signs from Alex Jones and Scott Adams and some others. So already that's kind of off into a segment of the population that I don't necessarily roll with. Maybe he's an okay guy. I don't know. I don't know the guy, but I think when he had his interview with Scott Adams, he let him off a little lightly. And of course, they both disavow white nationalism and neo-Nazis because that's an easy way to get canceled, to get canned, or to get people to drop you. Nevertheless, even though they quote-unquote disavow them, if you just check the comments, you'll see that, yeah, they're still rocking with you, dude. So you're not doing enough disavowing, in my opinion. Um, so, so many things are said. I mean... And one of the quotes from that one is the outcome of what in that, in that interview with Hotep Jesus, uh, Scott Adams said, the outcome of what you are setting up by calling white people bad is that they're going to want to get away from you. That's an interesting point. And I'm, I'm already at 140, an hour 40 here about, I don't want to belabor this and get too far into the racial weeds, but that's, that's trying to protect the narrative and getting mad at nothing substantial getting upset with people saying things here or there. And you see how calling Scott wrong got him very incensed. And this has, he's probably doing fine sitting in his house, making his, making his money still, even though he's gotten dropped from all of these outlets. This is his retirement party. He'll, he'll be fine. He's got other modes of income. So back to this whole thing, he, he explained what he, what he was doing, why he was doing it. And before we, before we start to wrap this up, I just want to give you a few of his words. Why would he do that? Let's, let's find out. Let's find out what he says in his words. And so I would be surprised if I'm in business 
few days from now. So here's the things you can know it isn't. Do it just for laughs. It isn't that funny. It's pretty funny, but it isn't that funny. I wouldn't do it for money. Do it for reputation. But I do it. But, um, that's the question. Why would I do it? I... And that's the question that you have to ask yourself. He's almost giving it to you right here. Why would he do it? He's setting that narrative, creating the world in an image that he wants to see. In my opinion, he's creating this world in an image that he wants to see. I say, when I say this world, his circle of influence, his sphere. And what is he willing to do to have his vision played out? What would he do to have the, the, the way he thought about the world really enacted? Can he create that narrative? And I think that's what he's getting at here in, in a lot of, you know, a lot of different ways, because yeah, the, he is intelligent. He's not worried about getting canceled. He's not worried about, he wants to create a narrative and say what he has to say, because as he said early on, things are broken, right? I mean, uh, things are messed up. So you gotta break it up, shake the box. Things are gonna get broken even further. Gotta be a provocateur. And yes, and he knows the price of freedom is really high. He's been planning this, but in case you didn't catch me say this before, he's been planning this. Another statement from him. If YouTube would decide to load it up, I could play it. Here we go. Is this it? You bum. Load the. All right. All right. Now we're loaded. Um, discover that the price of free speech is really high. There are only a few people willing to pay it. I decided to pay it. And I could extend the conversation to something that everybody needs to hear. All right, so he goes on later to actually play the actual clips, but price of freedom is really high. He is prepared to pay it. I want to run that back again. To pay it. That I can extend the conversation to something that everybody needs to hear. Price of freedom is really high. You want to extend the conversation. And everybody needs to hear it. So now, the narrative before was that you couldn't talk about this stuff. You couldn't move forward on this stuff. You couldn't, you couldn't just start getting away from black people, even though you really wanted to. You couldn't have that narrative in your head. But now that he's saying it, that narrative is out there. And people can get away from black people. And by the way, um, it's not just black people. It's non-white. The whole, the whole poll was basically, it, the numbers basically uh, meant the same thing if you were non-white. So I'm, once again, I'm not sure why black people were singled out as these, these terrible villains, but basically the same for any non-white group. But that's the narrative he's setting up. That's the narrative he's playing with. Uh, that's the game he's doing. Later on, he says proximity is the key to success. I do agree that, I mean, you stay around the people that, that support you and you stay around people that will bring you success. But 
what I'm hearing from Scott is that it's okay to, it's really okay to do whatever you need to do at the expense of others to get where you need to go. And that's a problem. We've had, if you don't know the history of race relations and moving and redlining, blockbusting, Jim Crow laws, the rent controls, the racial covenants, blacklisting, spatial inequality, white flight. If you've never heard these terms, you don't think there's any, you may not think there's anything wrong with what you're doing and what you're setting up, but these have been historically used to disenfranchise and promote certain groups. And in this case, we're talking about white people promoting themselves, which is fine, but at the expense of black people, which is not fine. And I'm not sure how much redlining, blockbusting, white flight, racial covenants, blacklisting and all that happened to other races, but it's, it was very clearly stated and is on many law books. Look up racial covenants right now and you'll see what I'm saying. It was on law books. And it seems like he's advocating for this. So this is why I had a problem with what he was doing. And finally, I'm, I'm getting into this last point. He made a big stink about not being able to disagree with his basic tenet, which was, and he said it in a tweet, so I'll just lay it out here. A lot of people are angry at me today, but I haven't yet heard anyone disagree. I make two main points. One, treat everyone as an individual with no discrimination. Two, avoid any group that doesn't respect you. Does anyone think this is bad advice? Scott, given the context, and you always talk about context, I believe this is bad advice, and I disagree with you. And I'll tell you why. Part one is not just about discriminating. You say treat everyone as an individual with no discrimination. In society, in humanity, in dealing with people, it's largely impossible to treat everyone as simply, quote unquote, an individual. You say, of course you can. You meet somebody, you treat them as an individual. If I get in a cab with somebody and I want to share a cab and the person I'm sharing a cab with is, has a swastika tattooed on his neck, then I might not be able to judge that person individually. I might say, you know what? It's safer for me to get out and just let that guy go. Just to, just to avoid any weirdness. I don't, want, I don't know where, it's, where he's going. He doesn't know where I'm going. It's better that way. Because if you have a swastika tattooed on your neck, visible in a cab, then that may be a reason for me not to treat you as an individual. Now, can you extend that to very uncomfortable places where you're just being a jerk, where you're like, oh, that person's wearing a dashiki, F them. No, no, no. You don't want to do that. But you know what I mean. You can't say that across the board for anybody. But of course, back to your point, you'll state that you can't, you can't assume that hyperbole is, is to be taken completely seriously. Obviously there are some individuals that you just, you just don't want to take everybody as an individual, like a ax murderer. Well, I don't know him, but 
He seems to be an axe murderer. Right. But anybody you meet, anybody, anyone you meet, you can't take them, you can't completely divorce them from all other inputs. When I'm speaking to people that I'm training, I will speak to the young men differently than I speak to the young women. Why? Because they expect different things from me. They expect to hear things differently. If I speak to a young black kid about doing work, I will speak to him a little differently than him or her. I will speak to them a little differently than I speak to an Asian kid. There may be some, there may be some little extra things that I add to what I say or take away. Is that racist? Well, I don't know. I don't use that word. I think it's helpful. I think a better thing to do would be to be kind and friendly to everyone you meet and wish the best for your fellow man while doing the best for yourself. I do not think that extreme individualism and just wiping the slate clean is completely possible. I just don't think it is. And you, that may go into the group discussion, which, which you talked about in terms of Mike Pence or whatever, but being, I, I, I would say you need to update that to being fair and kind to everyone you meet, everyone you run into, everyone you encounter. Point two, you say avoid any group that doesn't respect you. This is how we get otherism, where you decide to just make everybody else other. You get xenophobia, where those are the others, and we're going to treat them differently. What does that even mean? Are you to avoid any group that doesn't respect you? They may not know that they are being disrespectful. They may not even know that communication styles are are, are different in some ways. And you might roll your eyes at this. Like, well, you know, when someone's disrespecting you, it's like, hey, look, man, they try to be disrespectful. They may, they may look at me funny or whatever, but should I just automatically start getting away from people? Okay. Maybe I should try to get to know them. Maybe I should not present myself as a target. Maybe I should just present myself as a non-threat. Maybe I should just say, you know what? I'm here for this. I'm going to protect myself. But even though you don't respect me, I'd like to know you. Or, hey, how you doing? Or whatever. So you have to wonder, how do you end up, as an individual, how do you end up with a group that doesn't respect you? I know many people who are the lone person or the small minority in some area. But you, had, you brought up Don Lemon, right? Um, Don Lemon, you said he said the same thing. Well, not exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't think you can equate running, a, getting away from anybody that doesn't respect you. I, th I don't think you can equate that with what you were saying from Do with Don Lemon. I don't even rock with Don Lemon like that. But if people don't respect you, maybe you should gain their respect. Maybe you should be more respectable. I think that's fine too. So no, but 
in general, this is one of those questions that that people like to put out there to say, see, see, you can't can't answer the question, can you? You can't disagree with it, can you? You know I'm right, kind of thing. And it's used as a way to justify nonsense. And when I say nonsense, I mean there's not a lot of sense to it. You're just making a decision and you're just saying what you need to say to get to your own ends. I don't think it's genuine. And I don't agree with the premise behind this statement, even though you could nitpick at the facts of the factual message of what you said. Because this is where I think you're messing up, Scott. So I'm going to give Scott Adams a grade. I think I might do this for a lot of these. Where it stands currently, I'm going to give him a grade on being helpful. From a creator's point of view, is what he is what Scott Adams doing helpful? I think it's horribly responsible, satire or not. I think it's full of uh, workable but bad logic, twisted logic. It's misleading. It's what I call logically sound fallacy. I don't think it's good for humanity. It started a conversation, but for who? For whom? If you go look at the comments in, on YouTube, on Twitter, the people he says that he's disavowed are constantly in there spewing what they're spewing. And you can't disavow it in, a, in all honesty. So it's not really helpful for the media discourse. Your boy Elon Musk backed you, so I guess you got what you wanted. I guess you opened that conversational door. But let's see how this works out over time. Because I would hope that the goodness in people will win out and we don't have to get back to a system of all running away from each other and trying to paint about things. And my gosh, uh, you, you just confused the matter so much. You're getting an F. A straight F, Scott. First one of these grades I'm doing, and the only reason I'm doing it is because, yes, I'm giving you an F. Fail to consider intelligence, social norms, nomenclature, emotions, feelings, context, points of view, and so on. It was all very narrow-based attacks. And what was it all for? You made a lot of people upset and you're going to cause a lot of problems. And I know you did it intentionally. But now you got to ask yourself, are you proud of, are you proud of what you've done? So enough about that. What do we do about it? Listen, you're all creators here. You're all uh, developing, creating, building, designing, etc. So you have to ask yourself, is what you're doing helpful? Are you reaching out to people? Are you building bridges? Are you creating things that strengthen the community, that broaden the human experience? Are you trying to understand instead of fight? Are you celebrating differences? Are you getting understanding? Yeah, I, listen, you, you can talk to me all day. You, you will know that I don't agree on a lot of things. What I try not to do is is fight and tear down. I like to have fun and come from my point of view. I'm not trying to, I don't think everyone should think alike. I definitely don't think that. I don't think that everybody needs to be alike. 
I don't think everyone needs to. Yeah, I, I, I'm one of the people who thinks that life simply isn't meant to be, quote unquote, fair. Uh, some things are going to happen for certain people and some things aren't. But as I'm going about my business, I'm not trying to do anything at the expense of other people. And I really think that's what what hurt a lot of people. And that's what's going to hurt our discourse going forward. So, yeah, and, and finally, if you don't think this was something he was looking for, I finally found the quote where he says, the energy from the provocation is more important than the damage from the provocation. Yeah. Creators, be out there, create good things, do good to your fellow man, do good to your fellow woman, do good to your fellow other, do good to your fellow person. Build more, create more, and help me come up with an outro for this. I need to have something that just outros this podcast, because that's it for me. I'm Mr. Benja. This is Mr. Benja's ADD experience. Get at me, mrbenja.com. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible, and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit mrbenja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, I'll see you next time. Peace.